0: We're getting you ready for the game on The Build Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. No update as of yesterday, no. I think uh, uh, Mario and uh, Yaddo and Dahlien are all on the road. Purpose for that was we're bringing them on the road to uh, uh, work with them today and tomorrow uh, as practice days. Uh, But none of those guys will be available tonight. Deline maybe a chance tomorrow, but I'm thinking more of the weekend for all those guys. Marios on the fence. I think he's still got some work to do before he gets uh, get back for the weekend. Who else? Cooch uh, is back in. Obviously, he played or practiced for the last two days. Um, I think that's it. I think that covers everything. Banker, we know, is an appointment in L.A. today so or tomorrow. We'll know more about him in the next couple of days.
1: All right. good afternoon everybody as we get ready for tonight's game against Arizona and then a back-to-back tomorrow night at Colorado. And then the month of March is over, we get into April where it is the final month of the regular season. A whole lot of hockey, not nearly enough left likely for my point of view as I would love us to play into May and get into the playoffs and anything can happen. I do not deny that in the slightest. It just doesn't appear to be the direction that things are trending right now, but I will remain forever hopeful until things are all done and you you know we, we get to that point. I'm not even going to say the word. I'm just saying, right now, it's not trending that way. Things can change. Uh, obviously, the San Jose Sharks had a nice win against the Coyotes the last time they played them, so I'm hoping that they get more of the same, and I'm hoping that you know the one thing that I would really like to see from the San Jose Sharks is that if they get a 1-0 lead, build on it build, build, build. I love come from behind wins. Don't get me wrong, but I would like to see things a little bit more um, emphatic. I would like to see the Sharks have a comfortable win. Even the win against Anaheim the other night, I would not classify as quote unquote comfortable uh, because they had to, you know, it was a 2-1 game and then it required, you know, a hat trick from Timo Meyer and it was 2-1 in the third, by the way. You got two more from Timo, made it a hatty and a win, but you know, it's like Okay, let's let's not make that the formula in any way, shape, or form. But, of course, the Sharks have been playing a little bit better as of late. You got the win against Arizona, the win against Calgary, the loss against Edmonton, but then you come right back with a win against Anaheim. So that's three out of four, you know, last week, and I'll take that. And then, you know, you do have Arizona and Colorado, and then you're going to be back home on Saturday night playing host to Dallas, and then you've got next Tuesday and Thursday Hosting Edmonton, hosting Calgary. You know, it's going to be busy from here on out, no doubt about it. But the San Jose Sharks, um, they've been playing better hockey as of late, and it does feel like the cavalry is coming, as you heard Bob Bugner allude to there, uh, bringing us in. But, you know, the more players you get back, the better you will feel. It doesn't sound like Ferraro's quite ready to go yet, but one of the quotes yesterday was that uh, Bob Bugner and the coaching staff had to close the door to the dressing room because all they could hear was. For Mario, for it was Mario Ferraro because he is just such a uh, a loud, boisterous guy. Which uh, you know, I'm I'm always happy to hear that. You want to hear guys be in a good mood. You want to hear guys being ready to be back out there and get going. So uh, let's get to more into some of what Bob Bugner had to offer from this morning's morning skate. One thing that was asked about was Eric Carlson playing on the left, which is an obvious
0: change for him. Uh, I think he's looked uh, fine. I think that, uh, you know, we talked about this before, um, trying to decide who would play on their offside. I think uh, Carly is the obvious choice for me. Um, I think he's just the most versatile guy. I think he, you know, he sees the game, especially when he has the puck. Um, you know, on his outlet passes, or on his breakouts, I think that uh, he's one of the better guys in the league still at being able to uh, get out of a tight space with pressure on him and, 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 uh, um, and make a nice exit out of his end. So being on the left side, I don't think bothers him defensively. Um, I haven't seen it be an issue when, you know, pivoting and squeezing and all those kind of things. I think that uh, he's done a pretty good job of adjusting.
1: And from there, Bugner was asked his own career and any comparisons he could make when he was placed in similar
0: situations. Well, I think, you know, coming around that, coming around the, uh, um, well, two things. Offensively, when, you know, you go low to high, um, the puck comes out or it's getting rimmed out and you want to pinch, obviously you're getting things on your backhand. Um, you know, so that takes some skill and, and, and that's one of the reasons, obviously, Eric has some, some high-end skill. I think that, um, you know, defensively, I found that when I played on my left side is just, you know, trying to, Um, squeeze a guy off on the wall um, you're turning your body a different way really and uh, um, you know when you've been doing it for years um, you know to be able to turn the other side and not have the leverage you had on your on your good side I guess it's just a difference you know for me when I played I'm not sure um, you know Eric obviously plays a completely different game than I play but uh, you you know, I thought he's done well adjusting. I really do. I think you know, there's been a couple of turnovers in the last couple of games that have stung us, but you know, there's a lot of good that comes with that as well.
1: And Bugner was also asked about the pairing of Milash and Carlson.
0: Yeah, I like you know, I think Milash has been playing some of his best hockey with Carly. Um, and I understand that. I think that, uh, um, you know, going back and 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 trying to you know, let Carly make the plays or when he gets the puck uh, in the neutral zone, you know, getting it over to Carly's side, I think, uh, um, uh, it complements Mel um, well, and I think Mel's uh, um, stepped up his physicality here in the last couple of weeks and, um, you know, and has really found his way um, to be a difference maker in games uh, defensively and playing against top lines, uh, especially on the road. I think he's done a really good job. So and I think, you know, I'll, I'll give a little credit there to to Carly as well, uh, being able to, you know, settle that paring down and, and uh, um, you know, being the catalyst of, of the breakouts and the exits. And I hope this isn't surprising to anyone because Eric Carlson
1: obviously one of the premier defensemen of his generation. We saw Middleton was a, a better player next to him and that it doesn't surprise me that anybody you put next to Carlson, their game is going to take a spark because not only is Eric Carlson the type of game or the type of player that has the ability to make an impact on the game, but he's the type of guy who makes guys around him better. Those are the best type of athletes in all sports. And Eric Carlson's the type of guy who makes other guys better. He brings another level out of their game it's his vision it's his passing it's the own pressure that he takes for himself and you know we we heard a little bit and we'll, we'll get to that in a second from Ryan Merkley about Merkley you know hearing positive feedback from Eric Carlson and getting that you know kind of whisper in his ear about what he needs to be doing what he needs to be working on and what he has to do to improve his
2: game and well heck I lied I'll just play it to you here oh just the skating passing it's the way he escapes off pressure in a forward check is pretty incredible you think a normal defenseman would probably whack it up the boards and he's taking control making a play and escaping out of the pressure. So just watching him with the patience, I'm trying to get that, you know, some of my game was coming up when I was younger, making moves, beating that first four checker making a good outlet, outlet pass that are like rimming the puck. So just watching him with the patience and I'll call me the puck and always trying to make a play.
1: Love hearing stuff like that, right? You can hear the appreciation that Merkley has and the way that he looks at Carlson games and wants to borrow and implement things in his own game and the fact that he's learning. And that's the second time recently that Ryan Merkley has talked about the development of patience needing to be something that's a part of his game. And that, you know, we we has looked more patient in my opinion, and that's something that he saw. I'm sure he went back and he talked about the film that he had been watching and those things as he saw that he had more time in space. He had more ability to make moves. He had more ability and more time to make passes. And that's something that comes with that learning process. And I think that, you know, we're watching Ryan Merkley learn in real time, which is fascinating to me because he's obviously better now than he was when he first came up. But the whole you know, the project of Ryan Merkley was you go back a year ago and everybody was pretty disappointed. And you go back even at the preseason and people, you know, were saying that he didn't look like he was, you know, ready for the NHL level. And then, boom, he comes up to the NHL level this year and it looks like he's a player. It looks like he's part of the future of the Sharks. And it's it's interesting to watch that happen so very, very quickly and how the narrative gets shifted like that. And then, you know, you put him out there with a guy like Eric
2: Carlson and he, he's able to learn. Oh, for sure. I mean, I was a little nervous coming in, being with him for the first time, but I mean, he's been awesome. He's always talking to me, giving me advice, helping me, make, uh, giving me confidence for sure to make go make those plays. But yeah, I'd say, I mean, I'm not going to be changing my game. I'd say being a big shutdown defender, or being, but I know the areas I got to work on, closing out, being better defensively and stuff like that. But I mean, he's been great talking to me, letting me know what's going on and stuff and what to
1: do. Merkley will be out there with Mark Edward Vlasic. It's his birthday. Happy birthday, Pickles. But Bugner also talked about just, you know, how he's been seeing Vlasic's game improve a lot as of late, something I definitely would agree. And I also love the fact that we're watching him shoot again.
0: Much improved. I think the last couple of weeks, his picks is probably best hockey of the year. I think that uh, um, I see some more urgency to his game. I see some more, um, you know, physicality when it comes to, you know, winning battles and, and jumping to check down low. Um, you know i know that uh, he's had a couple go in for him from the point but uh, when i look at his game you know i want to see him with good gaps uh um, and being able to shut down the rush obviously good stick and jumping to check and those things in his own end and uh, he, he's done a better job of that lately and we are going to have some tough decisions when uh um you know if and when mario um returns to the lineup
1: and watching the sharks deal with all the injuries and the absences they've had this year you know it's a double-edged sword because at the one time you've had the ability to look at a lot of the other younger players that you didn't know as much about, you know, Konejov goes down before the start of the season. He's dealing with that injury. And then, you know, you get more of an opportunity for Jake Middleton and, you know, LeBanc goes down and you see more younger guys coming up and you've had the COVID absences and you've had, you know, trades of Middleton and you've had these guys jump up and be a part of things. Mario Ferraro, another injury you've got to deal with. And it's just, it's one after another, after another, Eric Carlson was down for a while. I mean, they're just, it's a lot to deal with, but the sharks have been able to, to bring up young players and been able to plug guys in alongside veterans like Mark Edward Vlasic, and they've been able to maximize the opportunity. But you are left wondering, at least in my opinion, about what could have been over the entirety of the season. And I know that you know, we can play that game until we're blue in the face and we're probably not going to come up with an answer that we love that's not a Stanley Cup win because this team was not going to win the Stanley Cup at any point this year. But you do think that maybe if they'd stayed healthy over the course of the year, maybe they didn't have the same COVID absences. Maybe they didn't have some of the problems they otherwise had to deal with that they would have been able to make a a deeper run or have a, a better year overall. And at this point, you know, I, I try to take the good with the bad. Yeah, it's unfortunate that they were not able to, to have all their best players out there all year. But if you look in terms of what we've learned about some of these prospects, more looks for a Ryan Merkley, more looks for a John Leonard, more looks for a Noah Gregor, whoever it's going to be, we've now learned more about what the Sharks need to do going forward in their trajectory into the future. And I think that's the most important thing to me, and I've hammered this home time and time again, is that you can't let this all be for naught. You need to make sure that you are maximizing everything that you can out of these games and that you're getting the best possible performance from these young players and you're seeing exactly what they can bring and you're seeing and telling them what they have to work on and what they can do in the near future to immediately impact the Sharks and so watching that happen right before our very eyes is something I definitely uh, get a kick out of. Um, one of the things we've learned this year is that Rudolph's Balsers is definitely of the mindset where he's got a, a defensive look as well as an offensive look which
2: is something that Tomas Hertl talked about this morning at more skate. Yeah, I think so. He's very responsible, you know, play. when I play with him, you know, you say we play a lot of hockey and every time, you know, I was in Ozone first, he he was right away back. He was first guy hustle and make sure, you know, he's on a good spot and and I think he still likes, you know, play offense. He likes to, you know, everybody loves to score goals, make it plays, but uh, he's not like, you know, a lot of young guys and they want to, you know, especially put up the points and and he know score goals, but in his mind, I think he he's actually a guy he's starting uh, in D-zone, you know, make sure we don't give up goal. He's always on the right spot and, and you know, sometimes, you know, it can be a little harder for offense because you're just putting too much thinking in your D-zone and and you have not much energy for O-zone, but at the same time, it's very, you know, important for the team. Yeah, I mean, I think that we often
1: look at just numbers alone. But, I mean, you look at a guy like Logan Couture and you consider his importance on the kill. You look at Nick Benino's, your Neitz's. I mean, these guys, they all have their place as part of a team and figuring out their role and knowing what they are needed to be best as or where they can find value in their game that they might not otherwise have in other areas. That's important in terms of a player's development. And it's something that I'm definitely paying attention to going forward with the sharks winning their last game and Anaheim continuing to fall the sharks currently sit at 6th in the playoff picture right now they have 66 points on the year through 65 games 29 wins 28 losses eight overtime losses that's 11 points back of Dallas for the second and final wild card spot in the west and you know i start looking at the schedule and start thinking about what the sharks can realistically do for the rest of the year Home against Dallas on Saturday night. To me, even if the Sharks aren't in the playoff picture right now, that's got to be one of those games where you want to have a statement win to show, yes, you might be in the playoffs right now, but you still can't beat us in our own house. Tuesday night, the 5th, against Edmonton. That's going to be tough because Edmonton is their good team. They might not be consistent, but they have a remarkable amount of firepower. Calgary Yeah, it's going to be hard to beat them every game, but you've had dominance. You want to try and get in their heads to establish that, not just for this year, but for next year as well. Then you go out on the road for four at Vancouver. Vancouver is not a great team, and that's not a knock that I'm trying to make on them or anything like that. And in fact, in terms of points, they are only seven ahead of the Sharks. But, you know, it's another team you're trying to catch. You know, I want positive momentum. I know that other people are thinking about draft picks. That's not how I tend to look at things. I like positive momentum, so I'm not, you know, I'm hoping the Sharks have a good showing against Vancouver as well. Even if it's on the road, I think that's a winnable game. At Nashville, get revenge for the eight nothing loss. My God, you know, right? Like that's that's that that comes down to a matter of pride. And by the way, it's a five game roadie, not a uh, not a four game. But it's Nashville for the second one. Then at Chicago, to me, that's a winnable game. At Dallas, that's a real test. At Minnesota, that's another tough, tough test. Then on the 19th, you're back home against Columbus, back home against St. Louis, home against Chicago, at Vegas, then home against Anaheim, then at Edmonton, and at Seattle. So the Sharks have some big challenges ahead of them, but I do see a number of winnable games, and obviously, you know, if they overachieve down the stretch, that's going to be something that's going to make things more interesting, and I would rather have it be more interesting than not. And again, I know a lot of you are talking about draft picks. You know what? Prospects are prospects. Just because you get a higher draft pick does not necessarily mean that player is going to be the next Sidney Crosby. Doesn't mean they're going to be the next Wayne Gretzky, right? I mean, that's just a different that's a different beast. You never know. I mean, sometimes you get a pretty sure bet. But also sometimes guys don't pan out the way they are expected to. So it's something that I take into account. So again, it's there's a lot of challenges on this schedule from here out to the end. And I, I just want to see the Sharks compete and try and you know have a good showing for themselves for the franchise. And I'd like to see battles out there, not just for guys' contracts, but just to show that they have that fight that they can you know be back next year and be part of this climb back into hockey relevance. It's something that I think is a big, big issue right now for the San Jose Sharks in terms of where they are in hockey and where they term, in terms of where they are in the Bay Area. It's like. Yeah, you know the 49ers are relevant. You know the Giants are relevant. You know the Warriors are relevant. For the A's and the Sharks and the Earthquakes, who have not done as well, and, you know, the A's are different because they've sold off all their best players, it's not as much of a selling point. But the Sharks do still have the big names. They've got Eric Carlson. They've got Brent Burns. They've got Tomáš Hertl. They've got Timo Meyer. The captain is Logan Couture. There is a strong core of guys to build around. You look it up at comers like William Eklund, Ryan Merkley, there's a lot of marketability with the San Jose Sharks right now and I think the the obvious only aspect missing of this is going to be wins. If those wins do start coming, if they are part of the narrative going forward, then suddenly the Sharks put themselves right back into the conversation when it comes to teams and comes to entertainment that people want to go see in the Bay Area. And obviously, you know, the crowds were impacted earlier this year by COVID. That's obviously changing. COVID is becoming less and less of a factor in our lives, and I hope that trend continues. But right now, you know, the Sharks' biggest issue beyond COVID is the fact that they are not one of the top-tier teams in the NHL. And for 15 years, for the majority of the franchise's existence, which is another factor, the Sharks were one of those teams that were in the playoffs and part of the conversation and really, really good. The fact that they are not right now is a stark contrast to what they've been throughout most of the Bay Area, you know, most of the Bay Area ticket buyers, you know, lives, they've been looking at the Sharks as a top-tier team. That's not the reality right now. That's where they're trying to get back to. Obviously, it can happen fast. Some teams they want to do the long-term rebuild. That's not what the Sharks are about. They are not wanting to be in that position where they are in a long-term build back process. And this is not just company line Ted telling you, but it's what I feel. It's like if you have Eric Carlson, if you have Brent Burns, if you have Logan Couture, if you have Timo Meyer, if you have Tomas Hurdle, that's a good core to build around. You look at some of the other players that are you know, still proving themselves. Noah Gregor, I think there's value there. I think he's got a bright career ahead of them. I think you look at Balsers. I think you look at Barabanov. I think you look at other areas you can fill to give yourself more depth in your forward groups to go with a really deep defensive core that I think many of us were somewhat surprised by this year, but that's been a, a very, very nice development and although that, you know, it takes a long time to say, well, let's see where they are a year from now. But that is the test. It's like, where are the sharks going to be a year from now? Are they going to be in a playoff spot? Are they going to be in a wild card spot? Are they going to be in a bubble spot right now? Are they going to be, you know, five points out? Are they going to be five points up in one of those final two spots in the wild card? I, I don't know. I can't tell you. But I feel like the team is not that far off when you look at the core they have. If you can figure out a way to get more offense combined with the good, you know, net-minding you've had all year long, then I think it feels like a pretty good formula for success. Obviously, one team from one year to the next is never obviously the same. It's never going to be exactly the same. It's never going to be, you know, something that is immediately transportable from one year to the next, but You hope there is enough architecture, enough of the framework in place that when you do add pieces, that those pieces are able to shore up whatever deficiencies you have while maintaining the positivity that you had from a year ago. All right, that wraps it up for this edition of The build-up. I will see you all tomorrow morning on Morning Tide as we look back at the Sharks and the Coyotes. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off.